0: I'm Ariane Elfont, and this is Death the Podcast. Death may be defined as the destruction or permanent end of something. At Death the Podcast, we are looking closely at what happens when something ends. We listen, learn about, and discuss the stories that surround the subject of death. These stories bring up much more than feelings of fear and sadness. They offer opportunities for connection, for hope, and sometimes even for humor. Ultimately, if we are open to exploring death, we create greater potential to experience life. Our guest today is Shannon Richer, a native of the Pacific Northwest. Shannon is a woman of many roles, owner and operator of Green Belts, a company specializing in accessories made from recycled materials, professional graphic designer, mother and wife. Shannon is also someone who has lived through and with significant loss. At 17 years old, she lost her twin brother to suicide. Four years later, her father also took his own life. In 2010, Shannon's best friend, after a long battle with depression, gave up his will to live. Despite experiencing multiple setbacks early in her life, Shannon has found a way to be present for herself and for those who love and depend on her. This kind of resilience gives us a great deal to talk about and explore. Welcome, Shannon, to Death the Podcast. Thank you. What has helped you through these losses that I just mentioned?
1: Um, Holding the memories of of the time that I I had with with the people that are gone um, and just feeling the need to move forward Not dwelling on everything, but um, definitely keeping them in mind at all times.
0: Starting with with your brother, tell me a little bit about what was going on in your in your life then as an eighteen year old girl.
1: Um, At the time, uh, we had just turned eighteen, because our birthdays in December, and he died in January. Um, So uh, at the time, I was living apart from him. going through, um, my mom was having some difficulties and she was selling her house and moving. And so I had to move down, um, South about um, an hour away. Um, and so Steve, my brother ended up keep staying here at my dad's house. So I ended up living with my aunt and he was at my dad's. Um, so we were apart for the first time ever at that time. And, uh, it was a uh, the night that he he died. It was uh, I didn't have a phone where I was living at, and uh, it, I felt a real strong urge to talk to him. And uh, I remember writing in my journal and wishing. I started a letter to him because at that time, that was how we communicated. <laughs> lots of letters. Uh, and I started it, and uh, my sister showed up at about maybe three o'clock in the morning down where I was living and uh, told me what happened, and it was devastating.
0: It's a, So I know people talk so much about the bonds that the twins have. How much of that rings true
1: for you? I don't want to stereotype. We were, you know, fraternal, obviously, and, uh, you know, I I hear a lot of connections with uh, identicals or, you know, twins are super strong, but I still feel like we had, uh, we had a little something (laughs) going on. My mom used to say that we would, you know, have our own language when we were babies. We had a special something that was uh, some sort of bond, for sure.
0: Well, it certainly sounds like you intuited something, something in that, in that very time period. Before he killed himself, even
1: absolutely, yeah. What what did you, what did you write to him? I wish I could remember. I just remember really feeling the need to uh, touch base with him and uh, you know find out what's going on and you know just hear him or you know try to make a connection somehow. Yeah. Just it- as he was disconnecting, I
0: guess you know. Did you did you have any sense that he was struggling prior to that to writing that letter?
1: No, not at all. Nothing.
0: Well, and I mean, I it sounds like it was a it was a somewhat chaotic time for you as well, like y'all being in different households all of a sudden. Then and...
1: it w- it was it was really a a time of transition, and you know maybe after, just thinking about that maybe that was was part of what happened too. Plus, he had his it was his first girlfriend, first heartbreak, you know, that he was going through at the time too.
0: So he was going through a lot.
1: Yes. I mean, it was like a really surreal kind of time. Um, because, uh, after he died, uh, I ended up moving back, um, back with my dad, um, into the house. And, uh, it was just, you know, my dad was sick too. And, uh, It was just um, really difficult. You know, when I moved back, he he made me drive Steve's truck. You know, I didn't want to learn how to drive, but uh, it was the truck that that Steve had got. And um, it was a lot of kind of forcing me to move on. You know, they thought that would be the best um, to just make me move forward when I just kind of wanted to um, maybe just sit, you know, and not <laughs> you know, just uh remember him more and uh, not have to be pushed forward. You know. Yeah. Yeah. We and, and no one wanted to talk about it either. That's what know?
0: I was going to ask you. No.
1: Yeah. It was it was a, a subject that you couldn't talk to anybody about.
0: So did you have anybody to talk to about it, Shannon?
1: um maybe my sister a little bit you an older sister older sister i have an older sister and an older brother and uh i remember them being you know both um open to talking and remembering Um, but not my dad and not my mom and and
0: you were expected to function like were you were you a senior in high school or
1: yeah so i came back like it was you know Part of the year had been over so i came back to my high school that i had always gone to um uh, and i remember (laughs) sitting back behind the school and doing a lot of crying (laughs) you know it's just really tough time you know if you're in you know senior in high school and you're going through all that and everybody knows what happened but no one wants to talk to you about it because they're afraid that you know you're going to get more sad i think the one person that probably helped me most through it was uh, Steve's best friend. He wanted to remember and and you know process it.
0: And he probably really knew him in some of the same ways that
1: that you did too. He did, yeah. Steve had a couple of really good friends, and and they were very. Um, it was nice to be able to share that. They were open to me being their friend too, you know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Insane. what you're saying, it makes me think about how taboo the subject of suicide in general is. Um, I mean, I feel like still is.
1: Yeah.
0: You mentioned earlier that your dad, that your dad was sick. Uh, Yeah. Well, he was an alcoholic. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and for him and for you, I guess, how much do you feel like his suicide had to do with your brothers?
1: Oh, a lot. Um, So what happened that night um, from what I understand is that uh, dad was dad was a big hunter and so we we had a lot of guns and rifles in the house and uh, so what happened was that um, Steve um, found his his girlfriend at the time um, on her porch who she, she lived on the street with another guy and Steve came home um, and He walked right past dad, who was passed out on the couch at the time, and uh, grabbed the rifle and went back over there, and that's when he killed himself. And I think that dad never really could forgive himself for not being aware of what was going on, not being awake, you know. Mm -hmm. And
0: so you were living with your dad at the time that he killed himself,
1: I was. Oh no! I, actually, um, I can't remember. Uh, I had moved out into my own place at that time when he died. After, so after Steve died, um, two years later, um, I tried to, um, I tried to kill myself, and I ended up in the hospital for about a week, um, in a recovery unit, and uh, or mental health unit. And uh, Dad, uh, he was really angry about that um he was angry at you he was angry at me yeah he uh he stopped talking to me for probably well when he died we had just started talking again basically he was really mad (laughs) and uh that's just the way that he knew how to show me that he wasn't happy um so he just didn't talk
0: man you just got really shut out with any any kind of feeling you um that you had around something that I, I don't know how you wouldn't have an an explosion of feeling about
1: yeah yeah and um, maybe that's exactly why I made the choice that you know that I tried to make um because I just I was just struggling to try to work it all out you know um and I mean, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Probably ending up in the in the um, in the hospital for that week because I learned a lot and I talked a lot. Yeah. And uh, you know, my mom showed up, and my sister and brother. So we talked. We talked a lot, and uh, I learned a ton.
0: Well, it sounds it it sounds like you got yourself the help you deserved and were yeah. screaming for. Yeah. And nobody would listen, so you, you had to up the ante. Yeah, until I did. everyone would pay attention. Being alone with all of that and only having a select few people who could hear you talk and share memories and all of that—that's just such an important part of moving through something that seems impossible to move through.
1: Yeah, it, it came to a the time that when I tried to, to um, kill myself was a, a difficult time because I, I was living um, with. A, a boyfriend at the time and he was a fisherman up in Alaska and uh he would go for long times, you know, um up fishing and I would be alone a lot and I found it almost impossible to be alone with myself. I I kind of always thought that, you know, I even when uh even when I was a baby in the womb, I wasn't alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I I was you know nine months together. And uh, I just was never really meant to be alone. Well, I mean, what a,
0: what a great point you, you had. I mean, first of all, trying at, at a time like that, I think, to be alone and to soothe oneself, I don't even know that that's possible for anybody yes. at all. Um, but to grow up a twin and, you know, literally, even in utero, have the experience of connection, have that taken away in such a dramatic way and then not have anybody connect to that experience with you.
1: Right, yeah, it was something totally foreign. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with it.
0: So I wanted to ask you a little bit about what your what your outlets are, what makes you feel good?
1: Well, uh, I do, I have a, I I've, I've figured out a way <laughs> that I can um, make a living not necessarily traditional in every sense. Um, I I work at a sign company as a graphic designer for um, uh, three days a week. And then the other days I work as a freelance graphic designer. And then I also make my grain belts, which is my art part that I enjoy working with my hands. And so all those come together and uh, I can... I can... uh, I get a little of, um, you know, a little corporate, a little bit of creative. And then I also have my son uh, and my husband, you know, so I have a family um, that's just all working together right now. <laughs> when did you realize you were creative? It sounds like you're very visual. Yes. Well, I think actually in high school I flunked art. Um, so <laughs> so when I went to art school, I, when I kind of made the jump, um, I, I discovered that I was good at graphic design. And, uh, and then after I worked at a um, pretty corporate um, graphic design agency in Seattle for about nine years before I had my son, and uh, I was, I was pretty good at it.
0: (laughs) Well, and and if I heard you right, when you were going over some of your history, it sounds like after your father died, that what you decided to do with the money you inherited was go to art school is that correct
1: it it is and it was a little bit about running away you know I feel bad um that uh I left my brother and sister to kind of pick up the pieces um but after dad died I just I needed to get out of there I just had to go somewhere and I had the opportunity um to move back east and so I jumped at it Um, I missed a lot maybe of um, processing dad's death, you know, especially with my siblings, but um, it was just, I felt like it was something I needed to do.
0: Well, I I would think that would be a very hard time to make a very clear-headed decision, but you certainly have utilized your background, your art education in your life now. Yes, for sure. (laughs) And and then when did you and your husband meet?
1: We met... um, actually uh, almost 16 years ago, and we met on my birthday. And um, my best friend works with his mom, or worked with his mom, and um, got a little, we had, were set up, and like I said, it was on my birthday, and uh, he didn't know it was my birthday. Um, and we got married exactly one year later on my birthday really uh, had a hard time with my birthday after Steve died. And, uh, you know, I just never really wanted to celebrate it. And, but it needed to, you know, something needed to happen usually on that day. And people felt like, oh, do we celebrate? Do we not celebrate? Um, so you know what, I just kind of thought, let's celebrate something different. <laughs> so now it's our anniversary.
0: I was going to ask you about how anniversaries are for you. And you you brought that right in. Yeah. Um <laughs> and having the same birthday as your brother would not make things easy
1: no yeah (laughs) I didn't know it it just seemed to to work and now it gets a little bit um a little bit complicated you know because I realize now that I can't really just completely cut off that day you know it's not going to be nothing you know um and I can't just ignore it so I've and hopefully, you know, created a little bit of a balance for celebration and uh, you know still remembrance. and um, it, it can, it's a happy day again good,
0: good yeah. And your husband sounds like he is a real source of of support for you. I'm wondering how revealing your past was in in the formation of your relationship with him well
1: yeah that's a tough one <laughs> you know <laughs> when, when you're dating and you just drop all those you're boxes. like here's some light material <laughs> <laughs> so, Like either they run really fast <laughs> or uh or they stick around you know to find to find out more and he really didn't seem he's not frazzled by anything <laughs> you know he's just really a rock and uh I appreciated his light-hardness. At the time, um, my best friend was was another guy, um, and he was not frazzled by that at all. Um, And Martin, my best friend, was the guy that was the sensitive one, and the one that I would, you know, talk feelings and deep issues about Martin also. had a brother who killed himself. And so we connected over that. And I was able to have a really special relationship with him, a friendship, a deep friendship. And then when Chris came along, Chris was like a breath of fresh air. You know, he uh, is just really light and lighthearted and funny. And I just really needed that. I just needed someone to be just light, you know, not because I could get pretty, you know, I could drag somebody down with all my baggage, you know. <laughs> and he did not seem to get drugged down at all. So it was great. It was like I had two husbands, you know, Martin was the sensitive, you know <laughs> the deep one, and then Chris was the fun one. and uh, it was just it worked out fantastic.
0: <laughs> so it sounds like Chris taps
1: into the light lighter parts of you. he does. and uh, it's it was a really good balance yeah, for me to have that.
0: And and Martin is, is your friend that you lost about, is it about six years ago? Is
1: Yeah. Martin. Yeah. He was, uh, he, Martin um, was the officiant at our uh, wedding and, um, he just, he made the, he was the bet he made it the best ceremony. And, uh, he was there when my son was born right in the room and, uh, He was just, he was fantastic. We had a really great, great relationship. And he had a great relationship with Chris. I mean, I was more mad about that loss than any other. Maybe because I did finally open up to someone, you know? And he knew what it would do. And I was very angry,
0: yeah. I feel really angry for you at, um, at, at the, the amount and the, uh, the um, I don't know, the severity of these losses that these were all people so, so close to you and
1: in, in your world. When Steve killed himself, it was like shocking and a game changer. When dad killed himself, almost in my head, can be understandable because I feel like he died of guilt you know, and he had a lot of other issues that were going on in his own head. But then when Martin killed himself, it was like, it was really, uh, just I took it personally, you know. Yeah. It was really selfish. You know, suicide is just such a selfish thing, and that one was like number one, super selfish. (laughs) You know, what kind of friend would do that? Well, and if if you wouldn't mind
0: talking about what you just said about suicide being selfish, I feel like that is, a, is an important sentiment to expand on if, if you have more to say.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've, uh, I've experienced loss, you know, with my, my grandma, you know, dying um, of lung disease. Um, and I got to sit with her and um, say goodbye and watch her um, die, you know, uh, spend time. And that loss was so easy, <laughs> you know, still hard and sad. But when you lose someone from suicide, you don't get to say goodbye. I mean, it's like you're, um, you hope for a note, you know, to explain something, you know. Um, but there were no notes, and there were no explanations. in it. It's um, it just feels really selfish because there's people that are left, and I um, at one point I joined a support group called the Survivors of Suicide, and that's basically what you are—you survived it.
0: Did Did you find in the group that you were in that that was a commonality among all of you that that feeling of being, being unfairly left behind.
1: Yeah, yeah. and and that's a, it, it, you could go to um, support groups for loss, um, but working through uh, through that feeling um, of it being so unfair um, and such a selfish thing is specific to suicide and it's something that you can't, uh, you can't like walk around, you know, every day thinking how unfair it is, you know, and that helped um, a lot to just kind of get those, those words out, say, this isn't fair. This, this sucks. Um, (laughs) This, uh, why, why would this happen to me? And uh, having other people to be able to Bring that in and understand you're not just whining and crying, you know, um, and being able to just say that and move on. Um, It was really helpful, really helpful to me.
0: Absolutely. I, I think being able to have some language around this is so important because people do tiptoe around the subject of suicide, one. And then when you're talking about
1: suicide, it's hard to know what words are even appropriate. It's definitely hard talking to people who haven't experienced it to really know um, you can't compare um, deaths you know <laughs> uh, you know everybody reacts differently but uh, you can definitely find some commonalities with people who have survived suicide. How do you decide who to open up to shannon well that's it's been a it's been a big uh, learning curve for me um, I I used to be much more open about it um, and I have felt very uncomfortable um, sometimes talking to people about it who I thought maybe would want to hear my story. Um, So now I keep it a little bit closer to the vest. Um, Maybe that's why I was a little nervous uh, because I I really haven't talked about it a lot, um, probably since my son's been born. which you know so like 10 years maybe I've even I probably haven't told you know one or two people very little about that part of my life.
0: So how the heck were you brave enough to come here and talk to me (laughs) today? I'm super super impressed and um well sort of in awe of that really.
1: Well I actually thought it was—I was really excited. I'm so glad. <laughs> because, I'm so you glad. You know, when, when somebody does seem interested in hearing my story, mm-hmm. I mean, I love to remember my loved ones, and I like to share um, the experience that I've gone through. It just doesn't happen very often. So when somebody does want to talk to talk about it, I—it just kind of brings those people back to my mind, you know. And and I don't mind talking about it at all. I just really get the chance to do that
0: you just highlighted such an important point which it sounds like it's not about you not wanting to
1: talk it's about you wanting to be heard when you talk exactly exactly i don't want to just tell my story and not have anybody care you know um if you want to listen and you want to have a dialogue like this i'm all for that (laughs) what you do these days to take care of yourself well this actually this whole conversation may just um kind of jumpstart um, some self-care that I probably have been putting off for, for quite a while. Um, I, uh, I, I joined a mom's group when Henry uh, was born, my son, and uh, it was really helpful um, and I have made some really um, great bonds um with some women in that group and uh i remember talking to one of them just recently and she said well have you thought about going back to therapy you know now that henry's a little older and uh you know it's been so long maybe you could do a you know freshen up Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i've basically been putting that off and i do think it's it's time I, i went to therapy for quite some time after I um, attempted suicide, and it was very helpful that I stopped going for a number of years now, and maybe I need to go back. I think that that's part of the process. This may um, just jumpstart me to to go back and, and, and look at those, um, look at some things that have popped up since having a child.
0: Suicide in general being a tough conversation starter um, or or just weaving it anywhere into conversation yet when people have lost people they often bring them up in, in natural conversation like oh you know this reminds me of the time that this happened with with my mom um and there isn't necessarily um death is somewhat of a taboo but there isn't necessarily the like deeper taboo with suicide and death combined I'm wondering for you, like, when you just want to share a memory about one of these people, how,
1: what that looks like for you. That's really interesting, um, that you say that because it's tough. It's, it's, that's one of the hardest things probably, um, to deal with every day. I was, um, recently trying to get to know a, a new coworker of mine and, um, we were talking about their her kids and, um you know, getting kind of getting to know questions, you know, do you have any siblings, you know, where'd you grow up? And uh, I find myself asking a lot of questions and maybe not letting them ask me questions um, because I don't want to bring anybody down, you know. Um, so the conversation was... Um, it turned. The conversation said something like, "You know, I, I have a sibling, or I'm a twin." And then, if I say that, I usually just change the subject right away, because they can't really ask me about my twin, and then they can't really ask me about my dad, because then it just starts going down a bad road, you know. And then I know that people will get really uncomfortable, so I end up, I end up asking almost too many questions um to try to turn the conversation back to them because i don't want to make them uncomfortable
0: so we real, really here you have here you sit having gone through so much and you're in a position where you're taking care of other people around it yeah and i know that your experience and feeling like you have to take care of people around the subject of suicide i know you're not alone in feeling that way and yet it seems incredibly important that you feel like you can talk about your life. And I, this isn't all of your life. You've shared so many things that have nothing to do with loss and tragedy, yet it's, it's part of your life. Yes. (laughs) um,
1: But it's not something that, um, it's just not something that people want to talk about. Well, I do. I, and I,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I, um. I, I I mostly want um want exactly what we've been able to have today, which is to see just how how real you are able to be after going through and going through. Because I don't know the things like this uh, that it's fair to use the past tense. I know you're not in the throes of it right now, but this is something you continue to live with and in such an active way. And I want to honor that. Shannon Richard, thank you so much for being on our show today. It was really an honor to talk with you.
1: You're very welcome. Thank you.
0: The word death evokes all sorts of personal feelings, images, and stories. These stories are amazing, and sharing them connects us more fully to life. I'm Ariane Eliphant, and you have been listening to Death the Podcast. Join us for our next episode in this series. This show is produced and engineered by Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Jill Gross. Our theme music, It Happened, is written by David Milling and is performed by David Milling and Charles Milling. To hear more of David's music, go to his website, davidmilling.com. Our social media director is Jolie Robichaud. If you're listening to this on iTunes or Stitcher or some other podcast app, if you can take a moment to rate and review us, that helps other people find us. You can find Death the Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or at deaththepodcast.com. Death the Podcast is a production of INO Broadcasting. labor day signals the unofficial end of summer but not the end of your outdoor projects lowe's helps you do it right and helps you save with labor day deals throughout the store shop now and get two bags of stay green potty mix for twelve dollars and keep your lawn looking neat and trim with a craftsman two cycle 17 inch gas string trimmer now twenty dollars off at just 119 dollars whatever's still on your to-do list this labor day do it right for less start with lowe's
1: offers valid through 828 soil offer excludes alaska and hawaii u.s only